Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my co-host, sister, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. Glad to hear it. I'm we making are- my list. I'm checking it twice. Are you? Okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. I know. It's getting a little close to all the holidays. It's already Hanukkah. Yeah. Other holidays are coming quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like when I was down with the coronavirus, I lost like a solid week. Like I feel yeah. like I'm like a week behind of everything because I don't, I don't even remember some of those days, mm-hmm. which is so weird. Cause now I'm looking at, it, it's like, it's the 11th of December. Holy crap. Yeah. I have a lot to do. I hope you all out there are ready for whatever holidays you, uh, you celebrate and are having yeah. a good time. And, yeah. you know, I hope this is a good time of year for all of you. I know it could be a hard time of year too. Yeah. Which is one reason why we like to be here and do what we do, because we like to bring you something to make you smile. Yeah. Crime. You know, that's Great. a weird thing, right? Crime, yeah. <laughs> we bring you crime because it makes you smile. So we, you know, we like to present the cases and talk about, you know, read them. This is a cold read show today mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully give some hope in some situations. So that is definitely what we like to do. Absolutely. So today we are doing... A case that is uh, was suggested by a listener. So, Laurie, thank you very much for this case suggestion. This is Jeremy Burt. Jeremy Burt was last seen on February 11th, 2007 in Boise, Idaho, which is, you know, about five hours from where we live. Give he, me the date again. It was uh, February 11th, 2007. So... He was, had been at home with his dad and his four-year-old daughter. And at about 1030 at night, he told his dad, will you put my daughter to bed? I want to go visit a friend. Um, he never got to the friend's house and he never came home. Mm. Just vanished. Wow. So he had been, um, talking and kind of getting closer again with his ex-wife, Kim, who was his daughter's mother. Mm -hmm. They had been talking about potentially trying their relationship again. And after he went missing, Kim received some weird text messages saying he was leaving. He was walking away. He was going to start a new life. He was out. And um, his mother received those texts as well. And they both found them very strange. They, the communication wasn't like him at all. It didn't sound like him. It just didn't feel no. like he wrote it. And it was really unlike him to just walk away from his family. He was close to his family. Mm-hmm. He was close to his daughter. You know, he and Kim had been discussing getting back together. Yeah. And um, it was just really, really strange. Like, none of this seemed like him at all. And... Uh, you know, his dad believes that he is dead at this point. This mm-hmm. was in 2007, so it's 13 years ago. So a few months after he disappeared, the charred remains of the car that he had been driving, which actually I believe turned out to be his mother's car, mm-hmm. uh, were found in the southern Idaho desert in Oahe County. It was down by the um, Idaho-Nevada border, and the car was okay. down in this ravine, and it had been torched. Okay. There were no human remains in the car. They sifted all through all the burnt stuff. They didn't find anything 
to um, indicate who'd been in the car, of course, or anything. Mm -hmm. They also said it was so remote that there had to have been two people and two cars out there. Because where did the person who drove the car down the ravine go? Like Mm -hmm. somebody else was with them. The police really believe that there are at least two people involved in his Mm -hmm. disappearance. Um, So the police have not ever named any suspects in this case. And they do, they do keep it an open case. Although um, I read in several different articles that, that Jeremy is believed to be dead at this point. They don't think that, you know, he would have walked away from his family like this and not said anything. But let me give you um, a little bit of background on him that might help you a little bit in this cold read. So obviously, you know, the burned out car was to destroy evidence. Yeah. And um, the police couldn't even drive down to where the car was. That's how far down in this ravine it was. It wasn't wrecked. It was driven down in there. Yeah. And they thought that was really strange. And they said that, you know, they really feel like there was someone else there to whoever mm-hmm. drove the car down in there and torched it. They had to walk up out of that ravine and there was nowhere to go other than to get into another car. Yeah. So there's been a lot of um, talk on Reddit and, you know, all over the internet about him and about what may have happened to him. But let me tell you a little bit about him historically. He served in the Navy. He was a Gulf War vet from 93 to 99. And he seemed to have kind of tumultuous relationships with women. While he Mm -hmm. was in Japan, he um, met a woman and married her. They weren't very, they weren't married very long, divorced short, you know, pretty shortly after that. Mm -hmm. Then um, Jeremy met Kim George, who is the mother of his daughter. Yeah. They were married in 2002 and they had their daughter, Mackenzie. Um, it's still, his love life still wasn't great though. And he and Kim got divorced not long after uh, Mackenzie was born. Mm-hmm. And that is when Jeremy started dating Jeannie Braun. And Jeannie Braun was his divorce attorney when he divorced oh. him. Yeah. So... In 2004, Jeremy testified against Jeannie Braun in court for illegal activity um, relating to being an attorney. Interesting. Yeah. So she was sentenced to a year in jail and 14 years of probation. She pled guilty to forging a judge's signature and influencing a witness. Wow. She was disbarred. She went to jail. She was on probation. Like, it trashed her life. Um, And that's when kind of things started getting, you know, he started getting a lot closer to back to Kim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were really close as they were raising their daughter together. And then they'd kind of been talking about, like, you know, maybe we're going to try it again. Mm -hmm. And let's see. So... The night that he disappeared, he just told his dad, I'm going to a friend's house. I'll be back later. Mm -hmm. He just never ended up at that friend's house. Like from Mm -hmm. leaving his house to going to the friend's house, he just vanished. Mm -hmm. Um, Kim, who was, she was in Las Vegas at the time working. And so that's what Jeremy had their little girl. Mm 
mm-hmm. she got these weird text messages from him that just didn't seem, uh, you know, they indicated he was never coming back, that, you know, he was walking away, he was mm-hmm. you know, started a new life. Yeah. You know, and she said they didn't sound like him at all. It didn't come no. across like it was coming from him. And she said it was really out no. of the blue. They'd really kind of been working on getting their relationship back together. Mm-hmm. So there were charges on his credit card 45 minutes away from where he had been with his dad. And then he just disappeared after mm-hmm. that. The credit card was used and then he was just gone. Yeah. And then the car shows up. There's really never been any other evidence besides that. The police have suspects. They, they've made it clear that they really do think they know who did this, but they wouldn't, they don't have any evidence. They don't have any way to charge anybody. Mm-hmm. At this point, um, his daughter is now 15 and lives mm-hmm. with, um, oh, in July of 2016, Jeremy's ex-wife, Kim, mm-hmm. died of suicide. Oh, yeah. So that oh, was not that's so that heartbreaking. Was, yeah. Because yeah. this just destroyed her. I feel like she really loved him. Mm-hmm. He was just hard to love. You know, I, I feel like he didn't know how to reciprocate in relationships. And even though he wanted to be better, he was just really, really selfish and just didn't really didn't know how to meet somebody where they were, you know. But I feel like Kim always loved him and that this, yeah, this just destroyed her. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Their daughter is now 15 and she lives with her stepfather, who is someone that Kim had married after uh-huh. um, after Jeremy went missing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of speculation that Kim mm-hmm. killed him. She wasn't really in Las Vegas, that the ex-wife mm-hmm. killed him. That, you know, he was, he worked in construction and there's been speculation that there was something shady going on at work. That there's a lot so. of speculation, but none of the speculation has led to any evidence at all. They have nothing. They have no evidence whatsoever. I do not believe this was anyone that he knew. I don't think it had anything to do with Jeannie and all of her bullshit, even though, you know, she'd be an easy suspect, you know, but I actually don't feel like she had anything to do with it. I feel like this was a carjacking gone wrong. Okay. I feel like this this was a couple of men who were trying to just basically boost a car and get out of town. Mm-hmm. And he fought back. Rather than just give up the car, you know, the warrior, the, the soldier in him kicked in. And he fought with them and they killed him. Mm-hmm. I feel like they drove that car quite a ways with him in the trunk. Before they disposed of his body, uh, you know, obviously, I think probably somewhere around the halfway point between Boise and where the car was actually trashed. Okay. I do feel like they uh, buried that body somewhere out in a desert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would be surprised if his remains were ever found. This it's looks really desolate like, area. Yeah. I mean, this looks like an Idaho desert that, you know goes on forever and you don't really people aren't on you know when right. they in the middle of the night dug a good enough hole and dumped that body and drove the car and got more and more paranoid about it until they met up with someone else who helped them to drive it down in that ravine and get rid of it i 
I'm surprised that they hung on to it for as long as they did. I feel like the car itself actually sat in someone's garage or barn. Mm. This looks more like a shed to me or, or, you know, kind of shed or barn. But it Mm -hmm. sat in for a while with them knowing, like, we need to get rid of this car, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing it's full of evidence. It's full of his blood and Mm -hmm. stuff because uh, he they put him in the trunk for a while Mm -hmm. anyway until they finally made a plan to get rid of it the way they did. Uh, but again, I don't think it's anybody that he actually knew. I feel like he just had, he just, uh, this happened at an intersection, literally just happened at an intersection when these guys got into his car and tried to demand that he get out and he refused and fought him and it cost him his life. Yeah. Yeah. It's super sad and ugly. And something that should have never, ever happened. It's also sad because I feel like had he just gotten out of the car and let him have it, he would have lived. But right. They weren't actually planning to murder anybody. No. No. And I kind of think they weren't really maybe killers. But they were then fighting for their lives, you know. Because he was a trained soldier. And he was fighting them. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, it, it came down really badly. But. At any rate, these guys look to me like they're, they were in their mid-20s when this happened. So, you know, they're a lot older now, mid-30s at least. But mm-hmm. at any rate, um, I feel like this was drug-related, you know, mm-hmm. and that, uh, yeah, that that's how it went down. I just, I, I think it's really sad. I don't, I do feel like, though, that whoever these men are, they don't live in Boise. I feel like they were in Boise doing something that was had to do with drugs. That's a pretty good drug corridor through there. And I feel like they they were running drugs or something along those lines and ended up without transportation. And we're just going to boost a car and get back to where they came from, which mm-hmm. I think is closer to where the car was found actually. Uh, okay. I don't feel like they went a long ways to, to ditch the car. Mm-hmm. Like maybe a couple hours, but you know, they didn't, uh, you yeah. know, that's more from where they're at. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. did they, how did they kill him? Oh, I think they had a gun. I do. I, I think they were kind of thuggy, you know, maybe had a gun, weren't kids that normally would uh, use it, you know, but yeah. Thought they were cool with their gun. So yeah, I think they, they did shoot him after he fought back and, you know, went after them and yeah. Yeah. Very, very unfortunate. And, and it was, it's a case of wrong place, the wrong time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in having his body, discovering he had a phone on him, then because they were stupid and scared, they thought that they would uh, try to cover their tracks by sending those texts. Mm-hmm. Which really just made it much more suspicious. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, family members knew immediately that this wasn't him. It wasn't coming from him. It didn't no. sound like him. No, these weren't, uh, you know, real geniuses and, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, very sad, very sad, but I feel like everything they did, they did at night and they did out in those super remote areas, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's too bad there wasn't a witness in Boise as to what happened, you know, because that at least happened, you know, in a more residential area, but it was fairly late at night and apparently not. Apparently not, you know, and there, this was 2007 too. So there mm-hmm. wasn't as much surveillance around as there is now. Mm-hmm. 
you know, to pick up um, on camera. But, you know, if this was in a more residential kind of neighborhood, there wouldn't have been much of that anyway. No. And the hard no. part is they didn't even know where to start looking because they didn't even know where it occurred, you know. Right. Though I do think there was a gunshot. Mm-hmm. And no one reported that. Yeah. But then, I mean, there's a lot of reasons they could have had a silencer. Or people could have just thought it was fireworks or something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Honestly, well, her gunshots are reported it and it wouldn't maybe, you know, and it just maybe not have been connected to this case. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Because I do think that there, you know, there was at least one gunshot, but mm-hmm. but you know, we hear things at my house every once in a while that I'm like, was that a gunshot? Was that a car backfiring? Was that a firework? You know? Mm-hmm. So maybe people did hear something and didn't equate what they were hearing with, you know, a crime. Well, you know, I mean, living in Idaho and even in Boise, um, mm-hmm. you know, Idaho has very uh, relaxed gun laws. And so people yeah. carry guns everywhere. You do mm-hmm. hear guns and it doesn't oh, yeah. always mean someone's getting shot. You know, there right. are guns yeah. everywhere in the state. Yeah. I think that you would be a little less likely to even be concerned about it living here. Yes. Frankly, I think so too. Yeah. Because you're pretty used to, you know, it. Guns around, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so very sad about Kim, though. I feel like she just could not recover from this. Mm -hmm. It does feel like there might have been some addiction or alcoholism there with her, too. Like there was some substance abuse, I think, but you know, it kind of all rolls back to that relationship that she couldn't ever uh, reconcile. And anyway, just really sad for her and for their daughter. So much so, very sad for her. Well, and his parents, um, you know, have just been devastated. Oh, and trying, you know, still trying. And there's like a news story every year on the anniversary of his death and, you know, sure. trying to get some closure, you know, but his dad, um, his mom, I didn't really see her be interviewed, but his dad was interviewed several times and he absolutely believes that he has died because yeah. he doesn't believe that he would have ever gone this long without reaching out to his family. It just no, wasn't it his personality, it just wasn't who he was. Anyway, that little girl was his world. Yeah, she, she was. was whole world I feel like having her changed him a lot you know and that's what everybody said about him is that he would never have left her no definitely not nope just wrong place wrong time very sad that is that's that's horrifying and, and it's horrifying to think that someone could be taken from their family in that way you know it's almost like right. I don't like to say that you know maybe if there was a reason because it's never okay worse when it's just random violence right yeah take somebody away you know like if it could have been a different car during you know in that intersection it would have been someone else like it's just so yeah that's just scary Mm -hmm, it is yeah well thank you for that read i appreciate it absolutely yeah well we are true crime paranormal as you know we do love case suggestions this was a case suggestion from a listener you can send us a case suggestion. Go to our website, yeah. truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can uh, send us case suggestions. Please send us cold cases. That's what we look, that's what we read is cold cases. Mm-hmm. And send, you know, you can also, there are places to click to see how to get a reading with me or a reading with Katie, uh-huh. a place to go to our merch. You can join our Patreon and get extra episodes. We just recorded a really fun episode about, people committing crimes while dressed as Santa and that mm-hmm. 
going to our patrons. And so if you if you want to hear that, you know, go join our Patreon and you'll be able to <laughs> hear some gotta say pretty funny stories about um, people doing stupid stuff while dressed as Santa. Yeah. And pretty epic times when Santa was definitely naughty and not nice. I, uh, yeah. you know, I guess I didn't know that there were so many Santa related crimes, but there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You can learn about that over on our Patreon. So definitely check mm-hmm. out our website, truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. Lots of great stuff over there. And we will be back this week with two more cases, as well as two live streams. On Wednesday, we do our case up- update live stream. And on Thursday, so that's 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Mm-hmm. And on Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain, we do the Thursday Psychic Show. Yeah. And so that's a show that's not true crime. It's more about the psychic stuff that we do. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we like to read for people and talk about all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah. be sure to join us on all of those things. Please do. <laughs> and always, whatever pl- platform you're on, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify or Apple, wherever, please like, subscribe, comment. We really appreciate that. Share if we resonate with you. Please share our our show with other people. You know, we're always just trying to grow and be able to do more and more things with you guys here. So we really yeah. appreciate that when you when you help us out that way. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here, guys. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.